Well, this is our third and final message. If, you, if this one won't help you get through your desert, well then, I'm sorry, this is the best I can do. This is my last shot at it. Uh, we need to understand getting through desert experiences for three big reasons, all right? Number one is we will all experience difficult desert times. Every person here today is experiencing some kind of a desert. You know, that's just the way it is. Secondly, the consequences of not passaging a desert well are, are successfully are huge because we can actually end up bitter and twisted. We can end up giving up, not, uh, not forgiving people, drifting far away from God. So, so much can go wrong in a desert because we're actually not very good in deserts. And thirdly, it's important to understand because there are great treasures to be found in the desert. Isaiah 45, 31, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. Point number one this morning is this. God is preparing you for greater impact and fruitfulness in the desert. Are you looking at your current desert situation or have you looked at one in recent times and thought, man, this is a mess? Anyone ever been there? Give us a wave if you've been there. You look and you think, man, this is a mess. Well, just a a few, uh, I I found myself not so long ago, uh, last year sometime, looking at a situation, I thought, God, this is is such a mess. I don't know which way is up. God, what's going on here? In fact, it's happened twice. You know, if you think, I don't have deserts, man, I've had two well, I, I guess you could call them deserts, in just in the last eight months, thinking, what a mess. My wife, fortunately, came to the rescue. She found an article by Max Lucado, that great uh, writer, and he was talking about the desert experiences of, David, uh, of, of Joseph. Remember, Joseph went to a pertinent, to prison, all the rest of it. And in this article, he says this, God will use your mess for good. Then he goes on and says, We see a perfect mess, which is what I was seeing, but God sees a perfect chance to train, test, and teach the future prime minister of Egypt because that's what Joseph became. So in the prison, in the pit, Joseph, all he can see is this unbelievable mess, but God sees, no, here's a great opportunity. Here's a great chance to get my man ready for his future, his calling, the plans that I have for his life. So we see a prison. God sees a kiln or a furnace used to process or make pottery or prepare something for the future. So so like Joseph, every one of us are a challenge to Satan. Tell the person next to you, you're a challenge to Satan. That's pretty quiet. You don't really believe they are, do you? Tell them what you really think they are. You're a challenge to, you are a challenge to Satan. We all are a challenge to Satan. So, because all of us carry something of God in us that the world around us needs. You know, the people around us need what we carry. We are the light of the world. Is that not right? Yeah. You are the light of the world. You're the soul of the earth. We carry something the world around us needs. So Satan, through the desert experiences, wants to stop us being a blessing to our world. He wants us to actually be a mess and mess up our world even more. So don't give him that honor. In contrast, God is wanting to prepare our lives, work in our lives, so we'll be a greater blessing to our world. So in your desert, it's as simple as this. Satan wants to thwart your ministry, slow you down, if not stop you, get you disillusioned, get you unhappy, get you whatever. That's what Satan wants. That's his one task, or one of his main tasks. He wants to mess up your future and calling. God, on the other hand, he wants to prepare you for something more. He wants to prepare you for greater ministry. My question to you today is who's going to win the battle? In your desert, 
is Satan going to triumph and say, got him, they've backed away, they don't serve me, they don't pray like they used to, or is God going to have the victory? And you're going to be more prepared for the things that God has got for your future. Ask the person next to you, who will win? Who will win? Who's going to, who, here's a bigger question, who is winning? Who is winning? In your desert, are you getting closer to God? Praying more? More in church? Fasting? Or, God, where are you? Oh, I don't, I don't now I'm pulling out of ushering now. I'm not going to be in the car park. God, I'm not going to serve in life group. You're not looking up. Who's winning? Satan wants you to get disillusioned. See, God wanting, was wanting to work. See, God, Satan wanted Joseph to give up. And he easily could have. Easily. But he didn't. Imagine if he had. Have you ever thought about that? Imagine if Joseph had just got a little bit disillusioned. Just a little bit. God, it's not very good. He would have never become prime minister of Egypt. He would have missed his destiny. Listen carefully. In your desert, your destiny is at stake. Your destiny. What you were created for is at stake in the desert. Satan wants to rob you of it. He's a thief. God wants to prepare you for your destiny and future. So, can you remember, you know, Joseph would be the first to tell you life in the pit stinks. It does. It really stinks. When I'm in a pit, it stinks. It's not a nice place. Yet for all its rottenness, the pit forces you to look upwards. That's what it does. Hopefully, if you don't look up, then you look down. So which way are you looking in your desert? Up to God, who's going to lift you up, or down to the devil, who's going to take you down? It's pretty simple choices, aren't they? Not easy choices, but simple choices. It's not complicated. Can you recall times that were a real mess in your life and God turned it for good? Can anyone remember such a time? About Okay, there's about 10 of us. God's worked well in our lives. It's fantastic. I feel sorry for the rest of you, but... I remember when Adrian and I came back from the Philippines. You know that Philippines was not a good experience. We came back, and I'd say we landed in New Zealand on filler. It was a real mess. <clears throat> it, was a, it was a real, it's probably the worst mess we've ever been in. Just a mess. And uh, yet God was there. He always is. And you know, he, what happened is we ended up becoming associate pastors in um, what was in the Queen Street Assembly of God. We didn't go back to the mission field became associate pastors, and then we ended up pastoring Church Unlimited. I want to suggest God turned a mess into something unbelievably fantastic. Yeah. Who would have thought preceding me coming here was just a total mess where I could, didn't know which way I was up and really question why the things had happened that had happened. But see, God can turn your mess into something good. Second point is this, learn to score off the things that come against us. Someone going to be scoring a goal coming up there really soon, I think. Is there a picture coming up there, guys? Uh, there you go. There you are. I don't know who that goalie is, what country he's from, but uh, he just missed out and there's a goal just being scored. So we've got to learn, you've got to learn to score off adversity. Score, win, overcome. You see, when we go through desert, God wants to see if we can rise to the challenge and vault over the obstacle or the wall. <clears throat> see, when we had to take over the 
the leadership of Church Unlimited City, I found it a very daunting challenge. Uh, you'd know, not have, you'd have no idea. I was so so busy, and I thought I, I can't. I just can't add another great responsibility on to my already full schedule. But in the midst of that, God spoke to me in an amazing way, and He gave me this verse, Psalm eighteen twenty nine. <clears throat> which says, by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Yeah. And I want to suggest to you, in the city, we have scored a great goal. There was adversity, yes, but God can help us to vault over that adversity by his strength, by his power, and score in the midst of great difficulty. See, some people can rise to a great challenge. It may be a home challenge or a work challenge or a sports challenge or a, I don't know what sort of challenge. Some people can really rise to a challenge and be successful. But it's more difficult to succeed and rise to the challenge of a desert and come through it in good shape. <clears throat> Let's go to 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 if you've got a Bible there. Always got to have scriptures, don't we? In this you greatly rejoice. <clears throat> Everyone say greatly rejoice. Uh -huh. Though now for a little while, if need be, you are being grieved <clears throat> by various trials. Isn't that interesting? Eh? The Bible always connects joy with trials, grieving with challenges and tests. Because I think God has a bigger picture in mind. He actually knows what's going on in your life. And then he goes on to say that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, <clears throat> may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If someone could get me some fresh water, those look half drunk. That would be nice, please. Anybody? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. All right. I did what I want, but I'm just, you know, don't know what's going on with people who might have drunk that before me. So, or it might have been there from last week. I don't know when it's, it might have been gin and tonic. Just check that it's, uh, it's just water. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> Verse 6, so that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God's wanting to see the genuineness of our faith. That's what a trial does. You know, like we can all, we can be in church. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I, Lord, <laughs> I, I give you everything. You're the Lord of my life. Really? <laughs> Let's just test that out, shall we? God throws you into a desert to see if he really is Lord, to see if you really are fully surrendered to him. Am I making sense to anybody? Yes. Okay, good. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Do you ever get into a deep trial and you think, God, this is really strange? God, this is, how can this happen? The Bible says, no, no, it's the way of Scripture. <laughs> Just read the book. <laughs> it's all in here. It's all in here, what Christianity is like, what, what, what the challenges are going to be from time to time. Sorry for all the bad news this morning, but hey, I'm just trying to help you. So the main thing that I want to get to today is that in your desert, develop a closer walk with God. Romans 8:35. who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Basically nothing. See, God doesn't keep us immune from the challenges of life. He doesn't protect us from this, 
But the good news, thank you, Julie. Appreciate that. It can never separate us from our relationship with God. It doesn't matter what happens in your desert, you can stay close to God. It, it, it cannot or it should not separate you from your relationship with God. In fact, your relationship gets get stronger. And that's why, in some ways, in every trial, we're more than conquerors. Because you see, Satan is trying to say, no, I'm going to cut off your walk with God. Boom. And you're going to say, no, no, you're not Satan. You are not going to get my relationship with God. I am more than a conqueror through this trial, through Jesus Christ. doesn't mean the trial works out the way you want, but he doesn't rob you of your relationship with <clears throat> the Lord. So through the darkest trials, we can get closer to God. And that is the greatest conquest of all. How many of you agree the greatest conquest is getting closer to God? There's nothing bigger than that. So if you come out of your trial closer to God, maybe the trial didn't work out the way you, but you come out closer to God, you say, Satan, I'm more than a conqueror. You thought you're going to rob me of my relationship with God, but hey, take this, Satan, I'm now closer to God. Your whole plan messed up. You fail, Satan. I'm closer to God than before I went into this trial. See, friends, everything we face in life has one primary goal. You know, don't listen to anything else. Just listen to this one point. Every challenge in life, every desert, every trial, every problem has one primary goal, and that is for you to get closer to God. Forget about everything else. Forget about all the other things you might want. The one thing God is after, for this is eternal life, that you might know Him. When you get to heaven, the extent close, however close you've got to God, that is the key issue that's going to be at stake. This is the ultimate that God is after. And if you can remember that for the rest of your days, say, God, I throw everything aside. The one thing I want more than you, anything else, is you. I want a closer walk with you. Then you can say, then when you've come out closer to God, you're going to be able to say, God, thank you for the desert because it's got me closer to you. That takes some revelation because I'm not sure everybody actually has that ultimate goal. More than anything else, God, I've just got to get closer to you. That's what the goal, that's what the goal should be. That's what my Bible teaches me. So in, extreme, in seasons of extreme trial and desert, we, might, we may find that we have nothing and we have no one on earth that we can turn to. Have you ever been there? It's so deep, so dark, so desperate. I've had those times. Nowhere to turn. Nowhere. No one can help me. Nothing can help me. And in those situations, I found myself cast Upon God alone. But when you're cast upon God alone, you find God in ways that you didn't even know existed. You discover aspects of God and you think, oh, wow. And then you say, thank God for the trial that cast me upon the rock of ages. That cast me upon God alone, because there I met with my creator. There I stepped into something new in my walk with God upon the earth. In that moment, everything changed in my life, your life forever. Blessed is the storm that throws you upon God alone, because there you will discover him. It's gone extremely quiet in the house right now, which is probably a good thing. 
You see, we don't really discover or find God so much on the mountaintops or in the great successes because there you don't need God. That's not where you find God. You want to find God? He's down in the valleys. He's down in the desert. That's where you find God. So when you face a desert, I'm going to give you some points, all right, to get you through your desert. Number one is be in a good place with God. Here's a question. Hmm. It's like the old days of the top shelf. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. We'll keep you on. Just spice it up a little bit more. Okay, it's not quite what I used to have. I used to have it a bit more, you know, a bit stronger than that. You've given it, you've given it 20%, 70, 80%. I used to take it 50-50, all right? Next time, thanks. That's just a joke, everybody, all right? <laughs> so here's the question I want to ask you right now. Are you ready for a question? How is your relationship with God? How close are you to Him right now? Let's go on a scale from zero to ten. Ten, you're absolutely rock solid, on fire. Never been closer to God. That's 10. One is, <laughs> you know, you know you're just, you're just with God by the skin of your teeth. Where are you on 1 to 10? It's, it's a good question to ask. Not to condemn yourself, but you might say, I'm 6. Well, then go to 7. If you're at 7, go to 8. If you're at 1, hey, that's okay. Go to 2. But this is a point I want to make. You want to be in a good place before the stri storm strikes because your relationship with God is what's going to get you through. Yeah. If you're not in a strong place with God, the storm may well really trip you up and cause you a lot more havoc than it should. You see, if you're in a good place with God, when the storm comes, you won't get bitter. You won't get unforgiving. You won't get disillusioned. You'll, you'll passage your way through it because with God, you can get through anything. But if you're not in a good place with God, wow. See, once this trial strikes, it's too late to get closer to God. You want to be in a good place. See, everything on earth needs renewal. You think about it. Nothing continues alone by itself. Even trees, you know, they don't wear themselves out with, with hard work and, or worries and cares, but they still got a drink of the, from the soil and the nutrients that come from it so that they're strong when the winds come. And so our human bodies, we have to have continual renewal from God. In the depletion of our bodies through, you know, just, we need to intake more food just to keep being renewed. For the, we understand that. Our bodies get depleted, don't they? We start getting weak. So we think, man, where's, where's my breakfast? Where's my lunch? I'm starting to feel weak. I'm starting to feel weary. And there's an inbuilt thing within us. I need to feed myself physically, get my food, and so I'm strong. Is that right? How many of you had breakfast this morning? Yeah, that's the most hands I've ever seen go up in this place. <laughs> all right, you all had breakfast. Thank you. All right. How many's got good out of a mess? There's about 10. How many have breakfast? Some put two hands up. Some of you had two breakfasts. All right, that's good. I don't mind. But you, why did you have breakfast? And how many are you going to have lunch when you go home? Yeah, all of you, all right? Why? Because you're going to start feeling weak. There's depletion. It's got to be renewed. So what about, the, what about your soul and your spirit? That gets depleted every day. 
And so it needs to be constantly renewed. There needs to be that renewal through prayer, through the Word, through church, through worship, through fellowship. You need to constantly renew your soul, renew your spirit. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Woe unto the tree that is not drawn up fresh sap when the whirlwind is released. Woe to the ship that is not anchored solidly upon rock when the storm arises. On a stormy night, a lady was crossing Lake Michigan. The lightning, the thunder, the rain just made her pretty nervous. She said to the captain, do you know where the rocks are? She saw these rocks sticking out in the water. Do you know where the rocks are? He said, no, I don't. He said, but I know where it's safe. In life, we don't know where all the storms are going to hit us, do we? But we know where it's safe, close to the heart of God. Stay there, stay there, you'll get through any storm. Be in a good place. See, sometimes people turn to God more earnestly when the storm strikes. Suddenly they turn up to church, morning, night, you know, they're just, they're right in there, and that's great. And I thank God that you do it, because that's the right thing to do. But even better to be like that before the storm strikes, so that you're fully equipped to handle the assaults of hell. Number two is be honest. Don't fake it, be real. Some people pretend everything's okay. How are you doing? Great! <laughs> but they're actually a real mess. You can only fake it for so long before you're going to break down or shut down emotionally. So be real, be honest, reach out for help. You know, when we're regular in church, belong to a small group, we can find the needed support. It's very easy for some people, they find it hard to reach out for help. Isn't it amazing? Struggling away in some area, just, just won't reach out for help. Even in your job, you can be struggling. There's people in the next office who can help you, but you don't reach out for help. Whatever. All of life. Because it takes humility to say, help me. Is that right? It does. So reach out for help. Don't try and turn to God for strength. Sometimes, as we've said, there's no one else to turn to, but good news is this. He's El Shaddai, more than enough. You know God's more than enough? You plus God's a majority. You can win through if there's no one else to help you. Number five is to hear God's voice. Desert times are a great time to tune into God. If you want to learn to hear God's voice, if you're in desert right now, this is a, a fantastic time. Do you know why it's a great time to hear God's voice? Because right now you're desperate. Is that not right? In a desert, you're, God, where are you? What's going on? And if you're positioned to hear his voice. So in your desert, expect to hear God's voice. Expect God to speak to you in some powerful way. Because it's, it's, you're ripe for it. I remember years ago when I was, I was deeply troubled in an area of my life, I haven't got time to go into it. You know, God just gave me a fantastic promise of Scripture that's been a strength for me ever since. So sometimes a desert, you're going to get a word that can sustain you for decades to come. Number six is reach out to others. Reach out to others. So there's a woman in Mississippi. She had no purpose in her life. And so she'd sort of had enough and decided to jump off a wharf and commit suicide. Well, this guy walking past, he sees her jump off. He dives in to save her and then remembers he can't swim. So he starts drowning. So she then reaches out to him and she saves her saviour. 
It's true, true story, all right? And this is what she told the reporters. In that moment, her life suddenly had purpose. She had something to live for. In saving someone else, she saved herself. Reach out in your desert. It's so easy to shut down, close down. How many of us withdraw in the desert? Come on, let's be honest. We just back away. I don't know why we do it. We just do it. Back away. But friends, that's what the devil wants you to do. No, no. Reach out to others. Serve more. Worship more. Love more. Reach out more. Pray more. Everything more. Just go hard. Go into it. Don't back away. I've always said, and I'll preach it many times, every time you take a slight step backwards, honestly, it can be just the smallest step, the devil puts his foot right there. And then he pushes you a step further back. And then a step further back. And a step further back. That's why you find people who used to be in church all the time. You know, they just take one step back. They just miss one week in two months. Next thing, they miss two weeks in two months. <laughs> then they miss three weeks in two months. Before you know it, they're only getting to church once every month or two months. And friends, that's really very, very common. They say statistically now, on any given Sunday in a church, you get approximately 50% of your people. So most Christians come to church every second week. 